I'm pulling my driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for another drive to work. Okay, today I'm going to continue another of my 20 years in 20 podcast series. In fact, by the way, technically, this is the 20th podcast in uh, 20 podcasts, 20 years in 20 podcasts. But um, that name is more of a general sense than a super accurate one. My plan was to cover every single year since Magic's beginning. When I originally did this uh, at uh, the World Championship in 2013, I covered the 20 years since Magic had started. Since then, it took me a while to do this series of podcasts. A few more years have rolled by, so I'm not going to stop. Today's 2012. I will continue on. I will do 2013 and 2014. Once 2015 is done, I will do that. And then every year, I will update on the previous year. So this is an ongoing thing that will never quite end, but I'm close to catching up to the, the brunt of it. And so today I present the 20th year in 20 years in 20 podcasts. Okay, so we're up to 2012. So this chock full of stuff this year is. So let's get right away. We have lots to talk about. Okay, on January 28th uh, was the pre-release. February 3rd was the release of Rattle, a.k.a. Dark Ascension. So it was Shake, Rattle, and Roll were the uh, codenames for the block. Um, so the set had 158 cards, 64 commons, 44 uncommons, 38 rares, 12 mythic rares. Now you might say that's an odd series of numbers. Why is that so odd? Uh, the answer is there were double-faced cards in uh, both Innistrad and Dark Ascension, uh, and the double-faced cards were added to normal sheets, so it just there's a little bit extra. Normally a small set wouldn't quite have 158. Um, it would have a little less than that. Um, but, although, anyway... Uh, Okay, so I was the lead designer for the set. Tom Lapilli was the lead developer. Um, this was actually the first second set I've ever designed. In fact, the only second set I've ever designed. Um, I did do Eventide, so if you want to think of the Shadowmore block as being its own little mini block, then that was the second set. But as far as doing a set that came out in the beginning of the year, the Northern Hemisphere winter set, if you will, um, that, that's the, so, the only one I've ever done so far. What had happened was, um, I had done Innistrad, I was trying, uh, Ken Nagel, who had worked a long time, I felt like it was time for him to do a large set design, uh, Return to Ravnica was coming out, I felt like that was a really good first set design, because there, there was some structure already to it, because we had been to Ravnica before, so I would let Ken do that set, I ended up doing Gate Crash, which was the other large set of the year, um, that gave me some free time, and by free time it meant, uh, I was done designing something, how could I have a week go by where I wasn't leading design or something? I've I, I mentioned this step before, by the way. I've continuously been leading a design of a set since I started Shadowmoor, which is basically um, every single member of my design team, exception of, I guess, my manager, Mark Gottlieb, uh, I've been lead designing continuously longer than any of them have been under my tutelage on my team. Anyway... Um, I had some time, so I did, uh, I did a small set. I really, really liked Innistrad. I thought it would be fun to do the companion set to Innistrad, which it was. Um, so the set uh, introduced two new mechanics, Undying and Fateful Hour. Undying was inspired by... Um, I was trying to find a mechanic like Persist, but the, the, we had a minus one, minus one counter. Sorry, we had plus one, plus one counters instead of minus one, minus one counters. So I had the brilliant idea of doing persist, but with plus one, plus one counters. And it fit into the idea of you kill the creature and you think it is dead, but no, it's back and it's even stronger. It fits sort of the horror 
that there's a very common trope where you kill the creature and the monster is dead. Yay, celebrate. But wait, the music isn't sound celebratory yet. What's going on? Oh no, they're not dead yet. Um, and then the other mechanic was Fateful Hour. Fateful Hour was a mechanic that um, the card got stronger if you were at, I believe, five or less life. It was kind of a catch-up mechanic, and it was supposed to represent how bad off the humans were. Because uh, in the set, the first set was about how the humans in peril, and the second set, humans really in peril. Uh, and only, they're about, like, they about to be extinguished. Their humans are about to be wiped off the, the plane of, of Innistrad. But, luckily, as we'll get to the next set, uh, something comes and saves them. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that soon. Um, anyway, uh, the, the set also brought back Morbid and Flashback and Transform. It had new double-faced cards. It had some double-faced cards that weren't um, creatures or planeswalkers. It actually had some a creature that, or an artifact that turned into a creature and a creature that turned into enchantment and you know, mixed things up a little bit more. Um, we also played around a little bit with uh, Flashback. We, we had a few twists on Flashback, same with Morbid. Okay, moving on. February 10th through the 12th, ProTor Dark Ascension, held in Honolulu. Okay, so a whole bunch of things happen right here. So this, we decided to revamp how we did coverage for the ProTor. This was the first with our revamp. So for starters, instead of just showing the finals, we showed all the, like the entire competition from the beginning competition to the end. The feature matches were now video. There was coverage at the desk. There, you know, all of a sudden we went from doing just um, video coverage on the final day to video coverage every day and made a much bigger production of it. Uh, the pro tours at the time went from being open public events to being private events. Um, but we, we spent a lot of time and energy making it much more accessible as a home viewing thing. Uh, so people could, could, could view it and have ongoing during the whole thing of have coverage the entire time and video coverage the entire time. Um, we also changed the name of the Pro Tours. For years and years and years, the Pro Tours were named after the city they were held in. But this was not Pro Tour Honolulu. This was Pro Tour Dark Ascension. The idea was the Pro Tour's always been a marketing vehicle. And we're like, you know, we're trying to sell a particular set. Let's focus on that set. And so... Um, the, the set, the, the portraits are now named after the set. That the, so the way it works is the set comes out, and then right after the set comes out, there's a pro tour named after the set that focuses on the set. So this was Pro Tour Dark Ascension. It happened to be held in Honolulu. Um, so it was standard for the constructed portion, Indestride Dark Ascension booster drafting for the limited portion, and Brian Kibler of the United States defeated Paulo Vitor Damanderoso of Brazil. So a pretty high-octane final match. Two, um, two uh, Hall of Famers who, at the time, I'm not sure they both were in the Hall of Fame at the time. Um, if not, they cemented them being in the Hall of Fame. Uh, I don't remember when, who got in the Hall of Fame. But anyway, um, Kibler versus uh, um, Paulo, pretty, uh, like I said, a pretty high-octane match. Okay, March 30th, Dual Decks. Koth versus Venser. Um, so one of the things that we always do is we do two dual decks each year. One is two planeswalkers, you know, planeswalker battle, I put that in quotes. Uh, and the other is a themed one that usually ties into one of the sets. Um, we sw- swapped them up, so now the planeswalker ones happen in the f- in March, or the Northern Hemisphere spring, uh, and then um, the other one happens right before the release of the, the um, Northern Hemisphere fall set. I'm starting to say Northern Southern Hemisphere because I know when I say fall or spring, that is not true for half the world, so I'm trying to be more cognizant of the fact. Um, the reason I don't always say the months is 
the like the set sometimes comes out in October usually, but sometimes comes out in September. Um, this particular one came in October, but anyway, I, I'm trying to get good. Anyway, it is. We have a, a world audience. I try more hard to sort of uh, use my verbiage that matches everybody who's listening. So anyway, that's why I'm referencing North North Hemisphere. Okay, cost versus venture. So one of the things we do with the Planeswalker, we go back a year. So this one was looking at Scars of Mirrodin block and saying, who are the Planeswalkers in that? Who could we have fight? Who haven't we had in a thing? Uh, and Koth and Venter seemed like good fits. They had some colors. Koth got you some red. Venter was uh, white and blue. And anyway, I don't, think, I don't know if they actually fought in the story, uh, but they maybe they had a little tip. Sometimes the creative team goes back and figures out a way to have some justification. Sometimes it's a big deal. That they're like uh, Liliana versus um, Garrick became like a major story point. Uh, but Cosper's Venture are not, not a major story point. Okay, next. April 28th was the pre-release. May 4th was the release of Avacyn Restored, a.k.a. Roll. For, uh, it was uh, Shake, Rattle, and Roll. So there are 244 cards, 101 commons, 60 uncommons, 53 rares, 15 mythic rares, and 15 lands. Um, so normally a large set is 249. Normally there's 20 basic lands. I'm not sure why there were 15 instead of 20. Um, but other than that, this is normal large set size at the time. Um, okay, so um, Brian Tinsman was the lead designer. Dave Humphreys was the lead developer. I think this was, interestingly, I think this was Brian Tinsman's last lead design and David Humphreys' first lead development. Passing a baton, sort of. Um, Brian Tinsman would go on to do other great things at other places, but this was his last lead design. Um, and uh, Dave Humphreys would go on to many great things. He's still with us. He's the lead, uh, the development manager. Uh, but this was his first lead design, lead development. Uh, the set introduced two new mechanics: Soul Bond and Miracle. Soul Bond was a mechanic that allowed you to have creatures that linked them with other creatures, and then they and the creature they were linked to or bonded to um, gained an ability, usually or, or a bonus of some kind. Sometimes power toughness, power and or toughness, um, and sometimes an ability, usually an ability. Uh, also, miracles. Miracles were a mechanic where when you drew the card, right when you drew it, you could cast it, you, you could reveal it before you put it in your hand and cast it for less. Um, also, we have the loner mechanic, although it's not an actual, you know, it's uh, in quotes, it's uh, something we refer to, but it was nicknamed. Uh, the things that got better if you only had one creature in play. Also, the set had a major angel theme. Um, so, what happens in the story is the humans are in deep, deep despair. But Liliana, because she needs to get to her demon Gristlebrand, who's trapped inside the Hell Vault, um, does a big... Uh, she, she, through Thalia, gets her to break it open, and then all Grizzlebrand gets released. But all the angels, including um, Avacyn, who had gotten trapped inside. Well, actually, I guess there weren't too many angels inside. There's Avacyn inside. There were maybe a few angels. Um, mostly there were demons. But... Uh, when Avacyn had gotten away, the angels all sort of went into hibernation. So when when uh, Avacyn comes back, the angels all return. And the humans are saved! Avacyn is back! And so this was... We had a, we had a couple of dark sets where the, the bad guys had won. But finally, you know, the Eldrazi had come out and it looked bad. And then uh, New Phyrexia defeated Mirrodin. That was bad. So, like, finally we had a set like, the good guys had, you know, were able to win one. And uh, Avacyn came back and, and saved the day. Um... Not that Liliana's plans necessarily were that. She was after her demon. Liliana, by the way, had gotten the chain veil one in Innistrad, used the chain veil to kill uh, um, Gristlebrand, which was one of her four demons. Um, she had previously killed one demon, which we later learned with Kothafed, that we just saw in Magic Origins. Um, so anyway, that's the second demon she killed. Two more to go. Um, 
But anyway, um, in order to... The, so we did, we did something pretty splashy for the pre-release where we made this um, uh, Hell Vault out of, like, cardboard and we sent it to stores and then people would play and as they would do well, they'd slowly unlock it and eventually they'd open the Hell Vault and then there were promo cards and things inside that everybody got and um, it was pretty fun. It was... Uh, um, one of the earliest sort of bigger pre-release kind of things we've done. Okay, May 11th through the 13th was Pro Tour Avacyn Restored in Barcelona. So, um, it was block-constructed using uh, Innistrad Dark Ascension Avacyn Restored because block-constructed uses the whole block even though drafting uh, restarted. But, and the draft was just Avacyn Restored. So, the way it worked is when Avacyn Restored came out, we restarted the... Um, Drafting started just with Absolute Restored. Um, I didn't mention this too much, but... So, what, like Rise of the Odrazi, we sort of done large, small, large, and a large set sort of reset. Um, it was a mechanical reset, but not 100%. Um, Undying did carry over the mechanic, Undying carried over, and a lot of the creature types and the tribal things, there was some of that carried over. So, there was a little more carryover than we had done during Rise of the Odrazi, but yeah, there's still brand new mechanics and Miracle and Soulbond and stuff. Anyway, at uh, Avacyn restored uh, in Barcelona, Pro Tour Avacyn restored. Um, Alexander Hain of Canada defeated Godenis Vigris. Um, I'm not sure whether you want to come from the U.S. or from Lithuania. He lives in New York, uh, but he played on Team Lithuania for Worlds, so I, I think he's from Lithuania, but he lives in the United States. I don't know his citizenship. Um, but anyway, um, I actually was in Avacyn... I was, I was at Pro Tour Avacyn restored um, because the... Uh, the Magic World Championship, which I always go to, was held in Seattle later this year. We'll get to it. Um, I had one extra trip, so I ended up going to a pro tour. So I went to Barcelona, which was a lot of fun. Uh, I got to goof around with the uh, Walk in the Plains guys and made a video and, and, and did some fun stuff. And uh, actually got a chance to go on camera and, and join in on the coverage. I, I didn't do any play-by-play or anything, but I did uh, a bunch of interviews and stuff and talked all about cool things. Okay. June 1st was Plane Chase 2012 edition. So Plane Chase had come out a couple years before. Players had enjoyed it. We decided to make another Plane Chase and show off some more places and make some more planes. Okay, August... Oh, no, sorry. July 7th. Um, uh, release, uh, the pre-release was July 7th. The release was July 13th. Was Magic 2013. Uh, remember, uh, the corsets were always dated a year later, so this was actually came out in 2012. Um, there were 249 cards, 101 commons, 60 uncommons, 53 rares, 15 mythic rares, 20 lands. So that's a normal, at the time, large set size. Uh, the set was led designed by Doug Beyer of Creative Team fame. Um, Doug had been on a lot of different creative teams. We were looking for someone to lead the core set. We were just swamped with lots going on. And I think Aaron was the one that said, you know, maybe Doug could do this. And he talked to Doug, and Doug was interested. Doug had been on a bunch of core sets, usually representing creative concerns. Doug was excited. This was his first chance to lead a design. Doug did a great job. Uh, the development was led by Zach Hill. Um, and the set, the uh, mechanic that got brought back for the set was Exalted. Uh, the, mechanic, the Bant mechanic from Shards of Alara. Uh, when you attack, if you attack alone, uh, if you have Exalted, you give a bonus to a creature if it attacks alone. Um, the set also had a theme of, it was the Nicole Bola set. If you remember, a black packaging with his horns and... Um, and the set, for the first time ever, in a, with our first uh, gold cart ever in a core set, which was Nicole Bolas himself. Um, there also was a legendary theme. We had done that once. There, there had been a legendary theme once before in a core set. So this is the 
the second time we did it. But there was, uh, there definitely was a legendary theme. Obviously, there were Planeswalkers. There was Nicole Bolas. You know, it, it, uh, it had definitely a strong Nicole Bolas sort of feel. Okay. Next. July 13th. So right at the same time as Magic 2013 was the Deck Builders Toolkit 2012 edition. So we started making the toolkit. We refresh it every year. Um, because we wanted, one of the things you got to remember is in mass market, they only keep things for so long. So if you have things you want on the shelves, you kind of got to refresh them to get them back into mass market. And this is a introductory product. So it's important that we can do that. So what we do with the, we, with the, uh, with the deck builders toolkit is every course that we would refresh it. So this was the 2012 edition of deck, Build, deck builders toolkit. For those who don't know what it is, it, um, comes with a lot of magic cards just it's one of your early purchases to say hey you've just started out let's give you a whole bunch of cards that are that are commons and uncommons but when you're starting out hey there's just lots of cards and so it and it gives you a box and it just kind of gives you the things you need to sort of start out with okay next um uh august 17th through the 19th was the world magic cup uh held at gen con in indianapolis so Chinese Taipei would defeat Puerto Rico. So this was the first year of the Magic World Cup. The previous year, we had done the final old school worlds. Uh, we revamped it, and what we did was we broke, broke it apart. So there still was a Magic Championship, uh, and then there was a, um, a team event. And so the team event was, uh, was dubbed the, the World Magic Cup. Um, teams get to come together. You get to qualify to be on your team, and then... Um, you play, and the winning team is the winning um, world championship team. And so this year, Chinese Taipei won. Meanwhile, August 29th to the 31st at PAX, uh, PAX Prime in Seattle, we had the Magic Players Championship, which would, every year after this, be dubbed the World Championship. But for this one year, it was called the Magic Player Championship. Uh, and at it, Yuya Watanabe of Japan defeated uh, Shouta Yasuka of Japan. So, um... We got some Hall of Famers. Uh, in fact, is just getting inducted this year. He just got... He, we just... I mean, by the time you hear this, it, it wasn't yesterday, but uh, this weekend we announced at... Uh, you can tell when I do this podcast. Uh, we recently just had um, Pro Tour Magic Origins for me, and we announced the, the winners of the Hall of Fame, and Shouta just got inducted. Okay, next. August 31st was From the Deck. I'm sorry, not From the Deck. From the Vault Realms. So it was, we, every year we do From the Vault, it is 15, usually 15 cards, uh, they're premium, and they play into some theme. This year's theme was Lands, uh, Realms just sounded fancier than Lands, um, but it definitely uh, allowed people access to uh, a bunch of Lands from throughout Magic's history. Okay, next, September 7th, Dual Decks, Is It versus Golgari. Okay, so one of the things we do with the, the, the Dual Decks that comes out right before the uh, Northern Hemisphere Fall set is um, we try to do a theme that ties into the set. Sometimes we can be very blunt. Sometimes we can't. Last year, um, or not last, I mean, uh, my example actually is from is from uh, 2014 when we had, uh, we were doing content Tarkir. We, you didn't know anything about Tarkir, so we did like speed versus cunning, which is playing aspects, but that was a little more esoteric. Because this was we were going back to Ravnica. It could be to return to Ravnica. So it's Izzet versus Golgari. And we use cards from Izzet and cards from Golgari. We teased a little bit. I think we showed some preview cards upcoming. I think we showed off the Izzet mechanic 
and the Golgari mechanic. The Is mechanic would be overload, and the Golgari mechanic would be salvage. I'll get to that in a second. Um, but anyway, so the dual decks came out with Is it versus Golgari. Then September 9th was a pre-release. October 5th was a release of Return to Ravnica, aka Hook, Hook Line and Sinker. Um, there are 274 cards. 101 commons, 80 uncommons, 53 rares, 15 uh, mythic rares, 20 lands. So you'll note that we went from 60 commons, I mean, I'm sorry, 60 uncommons up to 80 uncommons. We did that at the time because fitting five guilds in was tricky, um, but it's something I think we've adopted. It's just large sets now have 80 uncommons. That's something we did. Uh, Nagel was the lead designer. I talked about it earlier. Eric Lauer was the lead developer. So there was five new mechanics, uh, which correspond with the five guilds. So the way we did it is previously, uh, with, uh, our last Ravnica block with large, small, small, four guilds, three guilds, three guilds. This time we did large, large, small, five guilds, five guilds, then all ten guilds in a small set. That's not 2012. So we'll talk about that in 2013. Um, but return to Ravnica, the first set. So we had the is it? They had the overload mechanic. That was a mechanic where you can normally hit one thing, but you can pay to hit everything. Um, and, and the spells, usually they hit the opponent's stuff, it, it would word it so he didn't hit your stuff too, or if you wanted to hit your stuff, it wouldn't hit your opponent's stuff. It was spelled out. Next, we had the Azorius white. So, is it's blue red? Azorius is white blue. Uh, that had the detain mechanic. It's a mechanic that keeps a creature from attacking or blocking or using activated abilities for the turn. It's sort of a, a temporary arrest, if you will, a detain. Um, then we had the Rakdos, which is red black. They had the unleash mechanic. That's a mechanic where you could choose to put a plus one plus one counter on them, but if you did, they couldn't block. So what bonus do you want? Do you want them to have the counter, or do you, or do you want them to be able to block? Uh, next we had Selesnia, white-green. That was Populate. It was a mechanic that allowed you to take any one token creature in play, uh, and you could, you could copy it. Um, and then uh, Golgari was black-green. They had Scavenge. That allowed you to take cards in your graveyard um, creatures, and you were able to use them to enhance the creatures you had in play. Um, it allowed you to sort of beef them up um, by using sort of the, the bigger the creature was in the graveyard the bigger a, a beefing you got so you it, it, was, it was a corollary tie between how big the creature was and how much of a boost you got anyway um, we were back in Ravnica and it, it, it was set up a lot like original Ravnica the guilds were there we focused on those guilds you didn't see the five guilds that weren't there um, it, obviously it was a large set but instead of having four guilds there were five guilds because we changed from the 4-3-3 structure to the five five ten structure um, and like I said, we beefed up Uncommon a little bit to fit it in, ended up being something we like, because Uncommon's always been tight, so it kind of solved the problem we've been meaning to solve. Okay, October 17th through the 19th is Pro Tour Return to Ravnica. Uh, it was a modern, was the constructed portion. Uh, Return to Ravnica Booster Draft was the limited portion. In it, Stanislaw Siska from the Czech Republic defeats Yuya Watanabe, Watanabe ugh, sorry, her, her, uh, from Japan. So he had, you uh, had a good year. He won the championship, and then he came in second at the Pro Tour. Um, Sifka, obviously a very good player, obviously won. He had a deck called Second Breakfast that he managed to win the modern. Uh, the, the finals are always in the constructed format, and so it was modern, so he won with his modern deck. Okay, next, November 2nd was Commander's Arsenal. Um, so what happened was, uh, I think the previous year, we had put out the, commander, the very first Commander decks, they went over really well. Players really liked them. We're like, you know what? We should be doing this every year. But we worked so far ahead that we weren't able to get the decks done in time. 
So we decided we'd do a, a temporary product as a little, as a filler. Um, and so it had 28 foils, 18 regular, 10 oversized. Um, it had just a bunch of cards that we thought would go really well. It had uh, some sort of box. It had a special life thing. It was just a lot of things that would uh, a commander player might want, um, including a bunch of new, uh, a bunch of uh, cards with fun treatments to them. But it wasn't um, foils. And um, but anyway, it was it was sort of the filler to say, hey, we're going to start doing commander annually. We couldn't as qu- we weren't quick enough to get it in this year. We'll make a little sort of product as a filler. And then next year, we started doing a, uh, an annual a Commander Deck Series product. Okay, November 16th was a 2012 holiday gift box, um, which comes with a box, had four boosters and 20 lands from Return of Ravnica. Um, so one of the things is we spent years and years and years trying to figure out sort of how to make a, a gift box for the holidays. And we had very success. I mean, going all the way back to... Um, I remember when, during Visions, we put out this, like, uh, a gift box that teased Visions. And um, I just over the years, we've done tons and tons of holiday boxes. So I was in the brainstorming session for this box. And I remember, I go, I just have one request. One request. This one request, I think, will be immensely helpful for us. Could we please just call it the holiday gift box? We used to always give it a, it's the, the battle box or the, it's the like, and the people are like confused, like I don't know what to get as a gift box for my for my nephew or my grandson. Like, could we call it the gift box, please? Um, and we had a lot of we talked a lot about what to go in it, and we knew we wanted to serve a cool box, and we ended up deciding to just give you look recent stuff because what you know if if a relative or somebody who doesn't know Magic Tubal just buys this for you, would you be happy? Yes, boosters of, of recent product. Yes, I will be happy. So. Um, um, but anyway, that was the, the, the 2012 holiday gift box. Whew! Okay, so I'm almost to work, which is good since I've, I've just hit the final thing. So, um, this was a pretty good year. Um, I think it was marked in a couple things. Number one was, um, we really revamped how we did coverage of the Pro Tour. Uh, you know, like I said, the, that was a big change. I remember watching, uh, Pro Tour Honolulu, the, the Pro Tour, um, sorry, Dark Ascension, the one, the Kibler one. And just, I had never, like, because normally, I mean, every once in a while I go to the Pro Tour, but normally I'm home. And normally, you know, maybe on the final day I can watch the final matches. But this was like, I got coverage constantly. It was just, it was, it was awesome. I had my little Twitch app on and I was watching all day long. And I remember my wife going, what are you watching? And I'm like, it's the Pro Tour. It was just on all day, three whole days. It was great. Um, but anyway, um, I, I think the Pro Tour definitely, that was a big metamorphosis for the Pro Tour. Um... The, uh, I think we were definitely finding our stride. So one of the things to remember is, um, uh, what was it? In 2009, which was when Magic 2010 came out, uh, and that's, that fall was the release of Zendikar, um, that was the turning point for us. Uh, between Magic 2010 and Zendikar and New World Order and uh, Magic uh, Duels of the Planeswalkers and all sorts of factors, a, a, a perfect storm of, of great factors. That was really the start of Magic's recent, um, well, ever since 2009, uh, the following has been true, which is we, 2009 was the best year Magic ever had in its entire history. Then 2010 was the best year. Then 2011. Then 2012. This trend continues to the future. Um, but 2012 was the best year of time we've ever had. And I, I think that there was a lot of, um, Look, one of the highlights of this year was 
Um, we we went to PAX East and we announced uh, that Pro, uh, Return to Ravnica was coming. So we did this panel, and at the very end, they said, oh, one last thing. Uh, and they just showed um, the key art and the, you know, the... Um, logo for Return to Ravnica, and we had video of the panel, and there's people screaming, and they're, like, hugging, and it, it was, people were so excited to go back to Ravnica, um, I think Innistrad really, um, it's funny, because when I first pitched the block of Innistrad, and the idea of having a horror block, there was a lot of resistance, people were like, really? You know, is that something players want? And it took me years and years to go, no, no, really, this would be awesome. So to have Innistrad Block play out the way it did and just get so well-received, um, Awesome Return to Ravnica was, was people love Ravnica and going back. Um, I mean, we had gone back the previous year to Mirrodin, so this was our second return. I mean, I guess we've gone back to Dominaria, obviously, in the past. Um, but, uh, but in some ways... We, when we returned to Mirrodin, it was such a different place because it was being invaded by the Frexians that Return to Ravnica was the first kind of return. Was like, you know, it's it's pretty much what you remembered. I mean, the story things had changed, but as far as like the general structure, I mean, we changed up from four three three to, to five five ten. But but it's kind of like, hey, remember Ravnica? You got the guilds and they got a keyword and it's a gold set and you know that a lot of it was a lot of a very familiar. It was a very familiar return, unlike some other things we had done, you know, like Scars of Mirrodin. Um, there was a lot of continuing just things, uh, dual decks and from the vault and deck builders toolkit. Um, you see a commitment to commander, plane chase came back. Um, anyway, 2012, it's just, I don't know, it was a, it was a chock full year. I mean, there's a lot going on. It's funny, as I, when I, when I do these podcasts, one of the things I would realize is, you know, I write everything out on a piece of paper. And the early years, like, I had a lot of white space. I, I had, you know, I could write large, you know. Uh, 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 but as, uh, as the years go by, more and more things are getting on there. You know, things get more and more cramped as I try to figure out all the things that happened in the year. Um, and so, we're, we're, 2012, just, we're getting to the modern era now. We're like, there's a lot of stuff. Every month there's stuff coming out. There's a lot to do. There's a lot of, a lot of magic stuff out there. And there's a lot of events and stuff going on, so... Anyway, I'm uh, driving to work, so I hope you guys enjoyed 2012. Like I said, it was, it was a year, a pretty good year. A, a lot went on, a lot of fun events, a lot of fun product, um, and woo, it, it was definitely, uh, it was a packed year. I mean, I guess all magic years are pretty packed now, but uh, anyway, guys, that was 2012. But I've just pulled in my parking space, so we all know what that means. It means this is the end of my drive to work. So instead of talking magic, it's time for me to be making magic. I'll see you guys next time.